all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Nursing and Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And uh, May is CF Awareness Month. And so you may not know what I mean when I say CF, but we're talking about cystic fibrosis. And I'm so lucky to have Melissa Underwood joining me in the studio today. She is the social worker for the CF uh, Clinic at UMMC. And we're here to answer your questions or hear stories if you have any of those about someone that you know or love that has cystic fibrosis. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. Or as always, you can send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org. Good morning, Melissa. Good morning. I'm so glad that you were able to join me. Uh, when I realized that it was CF Awareness Month, I was scrambling. I said, I have to have somebody on the show to talk about this topic because it is a topic that I don't think is talked about enough. Um, it's kind of one of those things where people who have CF or have a family member with CF are intimately involved with, but the general population probably doesn't know a whole lot about cystic fibrosis. So we're going to cover all that and more today, and we would love to uh, have some of our listeners chime in and uh, let us know if you know anything about CF or if you have questions or comments about it. So, uh, Melissa, tell me what it is that you do at UMC. So I am the cystic fibrosis social worker for or the whole CF center there at UMC. I um, follow pediatric and adult. Um, so you got a lot of folks to, to Absolutely. follow. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. And so you know, has the CF Center been there for a long time or is it a, a new situation? No, it has been there and we are actually the only accredited CF Center in the state. So we follow all of the um, CF patients in the state of Mississippi. That's a big job. So, you know, CF, of course, stands for cystic fibrosis. Um, if you folks are not familiar with the term CF, but we kind of probably will revert back to just saying CF because we uh, that's what we say most often. Um, what is cystic fibrosis? So cystic fibrosis is a chronic life-threatening disease um, that affects the pulmonary and GI systems of the body. In order to get CF, you have to have a mutation from both mom and dad. And so the way that I like to explain it is that it's nothing that mom or dad did um, before or during pregnancy. It is just that they are a carrier of a certain mutation. And um, normally, I guess I think it was around um, 2004, the state of Mississippi started doing newborn screenings. And so what that means is that, you know, when you are in the hospital and you have a baby and they do the hill prick, um, 
normally within two weeks, we'll get that newborn screening back, and that will allow us to know um, if the child has CF. And so, like I said, um, in order for someone to have CF, you have to have both mutations from mom and dad. Um, and if both parents are carriers, you have a one in four chance of having a child with CF. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned the newborn screen because Mississippi um, is one of the most comprehensive states as far as what we screen for with mm-hmm. that newborn screen. You know, each state kind of can uh, pick what disorders that they're going to screen for. In Mississippi, I believe the last time I checked, it was somewhere around 40 different genetic uh, disorders that are screened for in that test. So that gives uh, the doctors at the hospital, as well as the, your pediatrician, a lot of great information as to how best to care for that child moving forward. So it's it's something that Mississippi does right. Sometimes we get get the bad rap on a lot of stuff, Correct. but, but yes. we, we, do, we get that one right uh, and are screening these babies for lots of different things. And so you mentioned... Um, a carrier state or a copy of the gene from mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Now, do mom and dad, are, do they have any symptoms? Is there any way for mom or dad to know that they're a carrier for this type of disorder? Um, they can, but not normally. Um, I believe the statistics are that um, 10 million people carry our silent carriers. Silent carriers, right. Of, of, of the gene. Yeah. And so, you know, that's a lot of folks. You know, there are some genetic disorders out there that the, the carrier state is much less than that. And that's why we don't see those disorders quite as much because it's mm-hmm. rare for two carriers to wind up having a baby together. But uh, with CF, the, the amount of carriers that are out there that you mentioned being silent mm-hmm. and they don't really have any symptoms. And it's not, you know, something that would be part of a, a normal medical workup test on that um so they just don't know and so i'm glad you mentioned that you know it's not anybody's fault you know i would imagine that you probably deal with a lot of um maybe grief from family members with newly diagnosed children blame or and and the way that i like to explain this too is um you know i mean you come home and you think you have a perfectly healthy newborn baby and then two weeks later, you get the phone call. Right. And so, um, yeah, there's a lot of grief that goes on with that um, initial diagnosis. I have lots of parents that will say to me, I remember where I was at, what I was wearing, right. who I was around, the time of day. Um, you know, they don't forget that. Yeah. So. And so, you know, if we've got listeners out there that have gotten this news recently, mm-hmm. what I mean, what do we say to them? Well, you know, I, I'm going to be honest with you. The first thing I say the minute I lay eyes on them is congratulations. You know, congratulations. Um, they need to hear that mm-hmm. um, because how do you define normal, right? You know, and so I just first off by saying congratulations. Because you've and, got a baby. Yeah, and, and they're beautiful, and um, they just need to hear that right. because they've already been so grief struck right. with the diagnosis. So first and foremost for me, you know, I say congratulations, and the second thing I say is that we don't expect you to do this alone, and that's why we're here. Um, That's why you have an accredited CF center with a team full of people that are ready to help you. And by team, I mean a a multidisciplinary team. So, um, you know, we have our physicians, we have nurse practitioners, we have myself um, as the social worker, and then we have respiratory therapists and dietitians. And we're all there ready to help. Yeah, Um, which it really takes a team. You know, it really it really does, because everybody's got their own special part that they add to that. Right. And so I really want to talk about all those different parts of CF care that you talked about because mm-hmm. you mentioned there's respiratory therapy there's um, dietary which I think is a another uh, f- part of the team that often doesn't get thought about necessarily right. by the general population when right. we're talking about something like CF but mm-hmm. it can be 
gosh, it, you know, one of the most important parts of, of CF care is maximizing that nutrition for mm-hmm. that child. Um, because CF is usually thought of as, as a respiratory disease. Right. Because most of its um, overt symptoms that mm-hmm. we see are, are respiratory type. Uh, symptoms, but it affects multiple other parts of the body. You mentioned GI. There's also some endocrine uh, abnormalities that can happen with that. And so we'll talk through some of those as we go throughout the show. And so if you guys have questions or comments, our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. And our email is fit at mpbonline.org. So we talked about how many carriers there are. How many Mm -hmm. folks are living in the United States with CF? Well, there's about one in every 3,500 live births that results in a positive newborn screen for CF. And I believe right now there's approximately 30,000 people living in the U.S. Um, so it's, it's more common than, than you think it would be. Mm-hmm. You know, first when you say 30,000, you're like, oh, that's not that many. But then when you think about one in 3,500 live births, mm-hmm. that's much more uh, common than what you would, would think. Now, if you're in, not at an academic medical center, even as a nurse, you may never see a, somebody with cystic fibrosis, but we see it a lot a at lot. UMMC. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my background is a, a pediatric nurse at Bats and Children's Hospital. And so the very first patient I ever took care of as a nurse was a little boy with cystic fibrosis. And my goodness, I love that child with everything I had. Unfortunately, he is no longer with us. Uh, he has moved on. And that's something that is, uh, you know, also more common than we would like to believe mm-hmm. is that these children lose their their battle um, with cystic fibrosis. And we get super attached to those babies. I mean, we, we do. I know y'all do as well, you know, right. your floor nurses. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes we're mama and daddy to them because mama and daddy have to have to go to work sometimes. Well, you know? absolutely. And that's one thing that I can't um, say enough of is that Fred Batson and even on the adult side, um, you know, we're their second family. Mm-hmm. They're with us, you know, sometimes more than they are at home. Yeah. Well, so. you know, when they get admitted, um, it's usually for 14 days at the minimum. Ten, yeah, you know, 10, 10 to 14, 14 days at a minimum. I mean, it really just depends on where they're at with their disease state. I mean, we have some that come and stay with us for a month oh, at yeah. a time. Oh, yeah. And, you know, so when you got mom and daddy who also have to go to work, mm-hmm. you know, uh, 14 days is sometimes they're going to be by themselves at the hospital, you know, and so the the healthcare team really becomes, you know, the surrogate mama and daddy, you know. We celebrate holidays, birthdays, celebrations. I have made more cups of Easy Mac and and braided more hair and done more craft projects than you Uh ever think you would do as a nurse. And those are actually some of my most treasured uh, memories and times Mm -hmm. with those children. Um, You know, uh, we were talking before the show, um, there's a very active mama in the CF community, um, and you know she's actually the one who said you need to get Melissa on the show. Uh, you know, she's going to be great to talk about this. And she, uh, you know, I took care of her older son who uh, also has has passed, and her younger child also has cystic fibrosis. And so she's a very vocal member of the CF community. And you know, I spent the majority of my nursing career with her older son, and uh, actually taught him how to paint. Which I don't know why they elected me to do that because nothing I paint 
paint. It's very abstract. Let's put it that way. It's not <laughs> going to look like whatever it's supposed to look like. Uh, but I know the the thoughts behind painting and how to take care of your brushes and all that kind of good stuff. And so that's what you know, went to the store and got him all the stuff and, and brought it back and taught him how to take care of that stuff. And there's a picture hanging in my home that he painted me. You know, and it's one of my most treasured mm-hmm. possessions from that yeah. sweet child you know and then he also had a bucket of stuff of candy right in our space yes it's still in existence the guys were talking i mean this was 10 years ago and their tradition of nurse bait has continued he um would keep a a bucket of uh candy in his room and uh he called it nurse bait because when the nurses would walk by he'd be like you want some candy and so we would come in to hang out with him for a little while and i hear that his brother has carried on that tradition and also has a a tub of nurse bait absolutely you know so we got to remember that these are just kids Mm-hmm. You know, they're kids. Well, you talk about the painting, you know, they do the ceiling tiles mm-hmm. on the floor. And so we have lots of treasured ceiling tiles yes, that we yes. have of RCF patients. Yes, so, they are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look up, if you've ever been to Batson and you look up um, on the on the ceiling, all of the tiles there are painted by either there are some sororities that have come in and painted some tiles. There are different, you know, civic organizations and philanthropic groups that have come in. But a lot of those tiles are painted by our sweet babies at Batson. And if you ever see one that has a picture of lungs or says just breathe on it, mm-hmm. that that is likely a child that has cystic fibrosis or a family member of someone who has lost a child to cystic fibrosis that has painted that. And those are some of my favorite ones. I can tell you exactly where they are on 4C, which is uh, the floor that uh, it was my home in Batson. And they are just beautiful, treasured uh, uh, mementos of those kids there. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking more about cystic fibrosis. We're going to be talking about some of the symptoms that that go along with CF um, and how you would proceed with testing if that's something that you felt concerned about. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. And our email is fit at mpbonline.org. And we'll be back in just a moment. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner at UMMC. And my guest today is Melissa Underwood. She is a social worker at UMMC and does the cystic fibrosis clinic there for the kids and the adults. And May is Cystic Fibrosis Awareness Month. And so we are talking about this uh 
often overlooked disorder, I think, a little bit. And we've been talking about how you get it, which it's a genetic disorder. So it's nothing that anyone did or caused. Uh, And we've talked a little bit about how many folks are living uh, with cystic fibrosis in the nation and that Melissa works with kids and adults at UMC. So she sees the full gamut of folks that are dealing with this. Uh, But I want to talk a moment about the this like what is the actual disorder? What is cystic fibrosis? Because we often just think about respiratory type disorder. Mm -hmm. But the underlying cause of the disorder is is what's happening in the body. Right. Right. So um, when so we talked a little bit about um, what causes CF. So it's that the parents both have a genetic mutation. And what those mutations do is it doesn't allow the salt channels to act properly. So um, the way I like to explain it is that, um, yes, it is a pulmonary um, it, you know, disease, but it's also with GI and lots of other organ systems that it affects. And so the way I like to explain it is, um, you know, for someone that doesn't have CF, um, the you know, secretions and stuff in their body um, lubricate right. the systems, you know, Keep to, it slippery. To, yeah, to make it work the way that it's supposed to. And so the way I like to explain it is kind of like oil to a motor allows it to work the way that it's supposed to. However, with um, someone that has CF, it, that it doesn't work properly the way that it should. And it becomes, those secretions become very thick, thick and, and sticky. sticky. Yeah. Uh-huh. And um, that mucus in the lungs allows for them to have persistent coughing and frequent lung infections that bec- you know, can become life-threatening. And the same with the GI system. So, um, you know, they don't have the natural enzymes that our body has in order to, you know, lubricate and make the GI system work the way that it's supposed Mm -hmm. to. So they have to take um, enzymes to help with that. And the way I like to explain that is kind of like a toilet flushing. You know, if they're not <laughs> taking those enzymes before um, every meal and snack, then that's just going straight through them. Mm-hmm. And so we talked a little bit about dietary, and that's such a huge thing with CF because if they're, um, you know, if they have a mutation that allows them not to be pancreatic sufficient, um, they do have to take these enzymes. And if they don't take the enzymes and they're not going to absorb um, vitamins and fat and calories the way that they should, um, which then results in low weight gain mm-hmm. and um, a lot of its failure to thrive. And so our weight is directly correlated with lung function. So if we don't have good weight, we're not going to have good lung function. Right. So, you know, let's um, talk about those secretions. So anywhere mm-hmm. in our body that you've got ducts that secrete stuff right. can be affected by CF. Correct. So, you know, um, one of the more common areas that we see and think about is in the the lungs so you know where you and i we can cough and clear things well you know when we have an infection right their mucus is so thick and sticky that they just cough and cough and Mm -hmm. cough and cough and cough and can't get that up and out and so you know Think about somebody who might have had, like a, a somebody who does not have CF who has had surgery, and they're not able to cough well. They're more likely to get things like pneumonia because all that stuff just sits mm-hmm. in the lungs, right? And it makes it a little happy breeding ground for bacteria. Well, when you've got somebody with CF who's got the same issue, they can't cough and clear those secretions. It just makes it a you know a, a playground for bacteria to be able to grow and proliferate there. Correct. And so these kiddos just wind up with very frequent lung infections that are hard to get rid of because mm-hmm. if they, you know, even when they're in the hospital getting treatment, it's still hard to get that mucus thinned out and coughed up, you know, Mm -hmm. and, you know, 
of course, patients that I see for just regular respiratory stuff, we tell them, you know, drink more fluids and, you know, it'll help thin some of that out. Well, with CF, you just about can't drink enough liquids to make that thin right. out because it's not just a dehydration thing. It's a, as you mentioned, those salt channels that are just mm-hmm. not working appropriately and it's just dehydrated goo in right. their sweet Correct. little lungs, you know. Um, but anywhere else you've got ducks, it also can be difficult to get things out. So you mentioned these enzymes, right? So we think about a pancreas, right? Most folks just think about the pancreas in terms of diabetes and insulin. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the pancreas also releases other enzymes that digest our food, you know, things that digest proteins and fats and carbohydrates. And so these kiddos, if the little duct coming out of the pancreas is stopped up by thick, sticky mucus, those enzymes don't get out either, and they don't absorb their food. And so you mentioned the term failure to thrive, right? Correct. What is failure to thrive? Well, it sounds um, like a like just somebody not doing well. And we often see it in babies yes. a lot of times, mm-hmm. you know, where a baby is not gaining weight like we want them to do. You know, ga- babies, while every baby is different, they gain weight on a relatively predictable trajectory in life. You know, most of them gain about an ounce a day when they're newborns um, up until, you know, returning to their birth weight and then gain predictably. But every now and then we see babies who just aren't gaining weight, you know. And, you know, from a primary care standpoint, when I see a baby who's not gaining weight, of course, you know, CF often is a in the back of my head but you know in healthcare we say when you hear hooves think horses not zebras so you know <laughs> so cf might be a cause but you know it's not the one the, the most common one that your brain should jump through so one thing that we do is you know like a calorie count we want to see mm-hmm. how the baby is eating so we mm-hmm. have mom you know if they're a formula fed baby then we have mama walk through how they make the formula because it may be that we've over diluted the formula or something like that um, and then keep track of how many uh, ounces they drink how frequently whether they're spitting up all that kind of stuff and, and see if the amount of calories they're taking in matches the amount of calories they're supposed to have. And if they do and they're still not gaining weight, then I start looking for those zebras out there. Right, you know? right. Because it's malabsorption, right? Not exactly. having those. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that, you know, we could test through what's called a fecal elastase test. Yeah, tell me yeah. about that. So that is, um, <laughs> that's just a it test. Sounds that, terrible. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's uh, where we um, send the child's or adult. I mean, yeah. you know, sometimes we do have diagnoses that are later on in life um, to be tested. And um, by we we send their uh, bowel movement mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, and that will let us know what the fecal fat is. Right. Um, within that and to let us know what you know if they are truly malabsorbing right because most folks don't poop their fat out right uh you know we've got in a normally normal functioning gi tract with healthy pancreas and normal amounts of pancreatic enzymes when we poop we shouldn't have fat in there because Mm -hmm. the poop should the well the poop i'm just saying poop a thousand times (laughs) but the the fat should have been broken down and absorbed right um so we shouldn't uh, Mm -hmm. see fat within in the stool and so um you know if you do then we know that something is going on from an absorption standpoint that there's there's fat there and you know tips to look at uh with your poop if you are 
concerned, you know, mm-hmm. especially more of an adult. Um, poop that floats is usually fattier, yeah, greasy, greasier, um, horrible, like the, not, really a smell. Smell. not a good smell. Not a good smell. I mean, no poop smells good. Right. But it, if but you've ever CF poop is it's different. different. <laughs> it is. It is it different. Is. And if you're a healthcare provider, you're all shaking your heads yeah. because you never realized how many different. Um, <laughs> fragrances that poop could come in and that you would be able to diagnose things based off of those smells. Um, So that is um, a really good test that we can look at to see if there's any kinds of uh, malabsorption going on. And then uh, also the reproductive tract. You know, the reproductive tract is also ducts that secrete things. And so they can get stopped up. Mm -hmm. So um, talk to me a little bit about the reproductive tract with CF. Well, um, you know, for a lot of our patients, that's actually one of the main questions that Mm -hmm. I get from some of my parents once they get that phone call and you know they mm-hmm. their web are you know surfing yeah, and whatnot before it. they get to us is will my child ever be able to have a baby mm-hmm. and for a lot of our males you know i mean unfortunately no right because that goes back to the thick sticky secretions that um, do not allow them to be able to reproduce mm-hmm. for our females you know i mean we we do have some that yeah. go on to be successful and have children um but for a lot of them that also becomes very difficult for them yeah. as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So sterility can be an issue, and you know the <clears throat> I would imagine the psychological ramifications of of that when these children reach you know reproductive age and adolescence Correct. and early adulthood mm-hmm. is something that you probably deal a fair amount with in yes. in your adult patients and how you progress mm-hmm. through that. Um, but there are other options, right? I mean, they right. can. We have um, had several of our adult families go on to adopt. Yep. Yeah. yeah, we were uh, talking before the show. I actually um, went through first grade through 12th grade with um, a girl with cystic fibrosis. She is a nurse now, and she adopted a little girl, I think, probably about four years ago. And she has a beautiful little girl that um, is, I mean, it's her kid, uh-huh. you know, and Absolutely. she is a great mommy to her. Mm-hmm. And so there are other options out there, but that can be a hard, um, hard thing for, for kids. Because, I mean, really, an adolescent is a... I mean, they're so confused about what's going on. Are they a kid? Are they adult? And right. all of this stuff that's going on. Right. And so I want to talk some more about adolescence um, because that is a, kind of the more common age range that we wind up dealing with with cystic fibrosis um, and the particular challenges that these kids have uh, when we come back from the break. So if you guys have uh, questions or comments uh, about cystic fibrosis, you can sure send them my way. My number is one eight seven seven. An MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can email me at fit at mpbonline.org. We'll be back in just a moment. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. 
welcome back. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, your host for this Monday, and my guest is Melissa Underwood. She is the social worker for the Cystic Fibrosis Center at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and that's what we're talking about today. We are talking about cystic fibrosis because May is Cystic Fibrosis Awareness Month, and often a disorder that doesn't get talked about enough um, because there is likely someone in your community that is living with cystic fibrosis or loving and caring for someone who has cystic fibrosis. And so if you've got a question or a comment about that, we would love to hear that. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. And my email is fit at mpbonline.org. So before we went on the break, we were talking about some of the other symptoms of CF. You know, most folks think about the cough and the respiratory infections. We talked about the malabsorption, the inability to gain weight, and um, also the reproductive uh, symptoms of that that may leave some of these folks uh, sterile or unable to have uh, a baby. And then we kind of talked about the fact that adolescence is a lot of the folks that are are dealing with cystic fibrosis. And so I know from my standpoint in just being a primary care provider, adolescence is a hard period uh, of time with any type of medical disorder, especially a chronic disorder, you know, whether that be diabetes or um, something like CF. Why is it so hard uh, on these kiddos? So just going back to what CF is, is, you know, it is a chronic life-threatening disease that has no cure. So with that being said, we, um, you know, the medications that we prescribe them and the treatments that we prescribe them for them to do, um, you know, it's not a cure. It's just treating the symptoms Mm -hmm. to try to, um, you know, prolong their life Mm -hmm. and have a good quality of life. And so... With all that being said, if they're doing things the way they should be, they're not getting a break. Um, You know, they're having to do these treatments every day, several times a day. Um, You know, they do their vest treatments um, twice a day, more if they're sick. Um, We talked about pancreatic enzymes. They have a handful of those along with other antibiotics and um, inhaled treatments that they have to do every single day. Yes, multiple times a day. So it it very much would disrupt your normal uh, life pattern. Right. Correct. And so, um, you know, for, you know, take someone that's a teenager, um, you know, they just um, they want to be normal. And like I said, I said it earlier, like what what is normal? normal? I'm not. But um, (laughs) but I mean, you know, for many of ours, you know, I have some that say, you know, Miss Melissa, I just I don't want to have to do my best treatments before I go to the movies with my friends. I don't want to have to explain why I have to take a handful of pills before I have to go out to eat, you know. Um, So. For many of them, they just they want to fit in and they don't want to have to s- submit. Honestly, I mean, right. so many of them will tell me that, you know, I've, I've become noncompliant because if I do it, then I'm just giving in. Right. And right. You know, they don't they yeah. don't want to do that. Right. And that's completely normal when, you know, when you work in the field of pediatrics or in healthcare in general, you know, they make you take these courses on growth and development and they make you learn all these stages, you know, Erickson's stages and, right. you know, all the Piaget and all these things with, when you're in undergraduate studies, you're like, what the heck am I learning this for? This is boring. But then when you get out and start working with kids, it's really eye opening the fact that these children do move through those stages they very, do. very consistently. They you do. know, yes. um, when we go from, you know, babies that are in this trust versus mistrust phase where, you know, they cry and they expect something to happen. And that's how they learn about their world, you know. 
when they move into like a, a sensory oral phase and that's when they put everything in their mouth and taste it because that's what they that's how they learn you know and when we move into these adolescents they're very much in the stage of I'm trying to figure out who I am right in life right um do I have any control over my life and very much wanting to look like everyone else well, you and, know and you talked about the control and for a lot of them that is the way they control it yeah um, yeah. By, by not doing it yeah. sometimes yeah. and and that's when um you know it's a slippery slope if they don't do their treatments then um, their lung functions go down they lose weight um and that's a surefire way to come in the that's hospital right. with us and then they're with us for 10 to 14 days and then you know i had one that said you know i just i get forgotten about yeah. um you know her girlfriends go out to movies and dinner and do things together and she gets forgotten about because mm-hmm. she's in the hospital and so, you know, if you've got if you've got a friend with cystic fibrosis who's, you know, going to be in the hospital for a while, don't, you know, don't forget about those no. those guys. They you love know. visitors. They do love visitors. <laughs> Go visit them, FaceTime them, Absolutely. you know, uh, that kind of stuff. Because social isolation um, for anybody with a chronic illness, not even just an adolescent, is a real a real problem. And it really does impact you know, healing and uh, the, the overall outcome, you know, a lot of these kids are on what we call medical isolation, right? And yes. so tell me what medical isolation is. So um, for that, so, um, I'm trying to explain it in a way that um, I say contact precaution is right. peds pulmonaries. Like that's that's what we know best. Yes. You know? So yes. um, when they're on medical isolation, um, anyone that comes in to visit them has to wear mask, gloves, mm-hmm. um, gowns. Yeah, those beautiful yellow gowns. Yes. Put on yes. your banana suits, what uh-huh. I call it. Yeah. 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 And, you know, that can be, you know, concerning for the person visiting they're like why do i have to put this stuff on?" right you know? and that that you bring you bring up a great point so you know we have to tell um our our mamas and daddies especially for a new diagnosis and of course our ones that are, have been living with it they understand this but that's not because the patient themselves has anything that's contagious to right. us it's we're can you know we're contagious to them if right. we're bringing anything outside into their room that of course can you know cause an infection with those you know thick sticky mucus we mm-hmm. talked about um, you know, that can end up, they catch something, whether it be MRSA or staph or pseudomonas. We, oh, I, yeah. You know, I explain that to my um, kids, the CF bugs that we mm-hmm. don't want, um, that we have to eradicate and things of that sort. It's just, a, like I said, a slippery slope with that. So that's why we try to um, prevent that. Yeah. And that's why we have to wear that. But you want to talk about, you know, social isolation you know when our kids are in the hospital they just want to walk down to mcdonald's they have to gown up and And then people look at them exactly what's wrong with them exactly you know exactly so often it's not it's Mm -hmm. not to keep you from getting what they have it's for to keep them from getting whatever really unharmful germs that you Mm -hmm. may have but that could lead to a very very significant right uh, respiratory illness on these kids just because they're not able to to clear that effectively you know even a cold in these kids that's what i was about to say you know i have a parent that said to me just the other day you know she kind of got a little frustrated that someone came around with a cold and she said you know the parent said it's just a cold but for us a cold means increasing our treatments and you know we're it's just People, you know, people that don't know, they don't understand. Mm-hmm. And um, 
it's it's hard. Yeah, cold mm-hmm. in, in a child with, well, really in a child with any kind of, you know, underlying pulmonary pathology, a cold is not just a cold. You right. know, my son has asthma. And so a cold can very quickly turn into we're going to have to miss school because we have to do breathing treatments every, you know, Round couple clock. of hours yeah. to, to clear that out from you. So, you know, that's why I say don't send your kids to school. Sick, guys, <laughs> right. you know, because there are other kids that are, you know, that are you know, healthy kids, mm-hmm. but can quickly go downhill uh, when they're exposed to something that most folks consider to be a benign uh, type infection. Um, you know, we mentioned earlier these chronic coughs that kids have, and there's also a, a girl who uh, I took care of for many, many years who um, on Facebook right now, she's posting a tip a day for for CF. You're shaking your head because mm-hmm. you know who I'm talking about. Um <laughs> And of things that she wants folks to know. Uh And one of the things that she wants folks to know is we're going to cough. You know, regardless of whether we have an infection right now, we're going to cough. And it's Mm going to sound terrible because it's a deep, wet, nasty, nasty sounding cough. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean they're contagious, you know. And so people don't need to hide from them Mm -hmm. with that. You know, Mm -hmm. they're they're just going to. They're going to cough. And, you know, that's just part of it. So, you know, it's it's about just learning what's going on with these kids. Right. Mm -hmm. And like I said, um, you know, it's it's social isolation because used to back in the day. Now, this was way before I came into the world of CF, but they used to do CF camp. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that's no longer, um, you know, allowed just because you don't, you know, two kids that have CF should not be in the same room because they could end up passing the germs right. that they grow right. um, back and forth to one another. So a lot of them, you know, support groups, things of that sort. They will do some of those online and they know each other by Facebook oh, or yes. texting and Instagram and all of that. But for the most part, they're not supposed to be around each other. So it's mm-hmm. a very socially isolating disease. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, you... I guess with my position, I have such a unique position is that, um, you know, I, I get to know what's going on. And, you know, even normal life psychosocial stressors that these kids and adults have, um, CF just exacerbates it, whether it's good or bad. Right. Um, you know, something good would be looking forward to going to college and figuring out how we're going to plan for that. Well, that's hard. You know, I mean, they need a, a, a dorm room separate to themselves because, you know, who's going to want a roommate that you know, has to get up and cough and do best treatments right. and things of that sort. They've got to have their own space to clean their nebulizers and, um, you know, meeting people, trying, you know, explaining all over to a whole new group of friends what CF is. Right. Um, and, you know, from a relation, you know, from a significant other relationship standpoint correct. as well, you mm-hmm. know, why I'm going to be coughing the mm-hmm. way I am. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that doesn't make me gross or dirty or any of these other things. And, you know, then once you move into, you know, considering marriage and those types of things, again, that reproductive, reproductive health, yes, you know, big deal. those mm-hmm. are big conversations mm-hmm. that these kids have got to have with, you know, as they're growing up. So we're going to take one uh, final break. When we come back, I'm going to talk about these vest treatments we've talked a little bit about because they are they're, they're pretty special treatments that these <laughs> kids have to do. Um, so if you uh, have a question or a comment, now is the time to leave that for us. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 877 My email is fit at mpb online.org and we'll be back in just a minute.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, and joining me in the studio today is Melissa Underwood. She is the social worker for the Cystic Fibrosis Center at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And that's what we've been talking about today, cystic fibrosis, because May is Cystic Fibrosis Awareness Month. And we've been talking about what it is and how you uh, test for it and uh, what some of the symptoms of that are. And most recently, we were talking about the social isolation piece of cystic fibrosis, which can be so hard um, really on anyone, but, you know, especially on our kids who are moving through adolescence and becoming young adults. And I mean, that's how they learn how to be young adults is through interaction with peers. And, you know, so I mentioned uh, one of our um, kids that is now an adult that has been posting on Facebook uh, different things about cystic fibrosis for Cystic Fibrosis Awareness Month. Um, And I was going to read just one little thing about it because it really, uh, that she has posted, because it really does have to do with um, the social isolation piece that we were talking about. Um, She says, a fact that you may not know about CF People with CF can't be together. The thick, sticky mucus that builds up in our lungs functions like silly putty, which is a good way to think about it. Yes, it is. So when bacteria enter our lungs, they tend to stick around forever, whereas healthy people's immune systems can fight them away. As a result, people with CF harbor dangerous bacteria in their lungs, and these bacteria are contagious only to other people with CF or compromised immune systems. The good news is CF is not contagious or dangerous to healthy people. The bad news is the cross-infection risks mean people with CF are advised to not be within six feet of one another. In response, we've formed thriving online communities so that we can benefit from information sharing and support, but there's no denying that virtual connections can never replace in personal ones. For me, it's one of the hardest things about CF, you know, mm-hmm. and it looks like you're getting a little emotional re- hearing me talk about that because it is so true. You know, these kids, because I mean, that that's what they are. They're, they're children. And, right. you know, um, so, um, you know, a long time ago when I first started in CF care, just like you mentioned, it wasn't, we let them go to CF camp and we, <laughs> right. we let them do that. We let right. them come sit at the nurse's right. station with us, mm-hmm. you know, and do all these things. And those are, are things that we're not able to let them do now. Um, I mean, of course, for their physical health, but now we've got to put extra time and effort into preserving their mental health um, right. as well. And so being able to thank goodness for some of the technologies that we do have now with, you know, FaceTime and, um, you know, uh, Skype and all of these things that they can, can do together. But just like she said, it, doesn't it doesn't replace a human and so you know folks folks don't need to be scared of folks with with cf you know they're just they're just folks like anybody else you know they just are are battling a disease that a lot of us don't know about and so that's kind of the purpose of today's show is to let you know that these folks uh are just you know dealing with something just like somebody else is dealing with something we never know what what that something may be but we've got to reach out to them and love on them and you know just treat them like people right 
Yeah. And so we've been talking uh, several times. We've mentioned the word vest treatment. And yes. so what what is vest treatment? So the vest um, is what I like to explain if um, you're a visual person and I've never seen this is like a... Uh, a life jacket that you would wear out on the boat mm-hmm. and um, you you know it's fitted specifically to you and you buckle it up and then it has two hoses that connect down to the machine and it blows air into the vest and then it percusses mm-hmm. like and it, so it, yeah 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 and um, taps on them. You know, it shakes and it's real funny to hear them talk when, <laughs> when <laughs> so if you've ever vest. set a baby on top of a, a of a washing machine right. that's going that's mm-hmm. kind of what it sounds like and so the purpose of that is um, to help those thick sticky um you know mucus in the lungs to help get that cough that up and Mm -hmm. get it out um so that that bacteria and stuff won't sit there and harbor in their lungs and unfortunately it is something that happens but that so the vest is what they do twice a day and more when as i mentioned you know if, if, if they're sick um and our kiddos get that as early as six months old now. Yeah, they make little teeny tiny uh-huh. ones. Yeah. And, you know, CF treatment and care has progressed so much. You know, when I first started as a nurse, we didn't have these vests. Right. You know, we actually just had this little plastic cup thing. Um, and you did CPT, which is um, chest physiotherapy, which is just like using that little cup to just tap on different parts of the chest to try and break up this thick mucus so they can get it out. And we still have that. Um, We still do that, you know, for our new diagnosis for our newborns. um, We start that until they're six months when they're able to get that vest. Mm -hmm. And then even some of our patients, when they come in for um, a CF exacerbation into the hospital, they prefer that mm-hmm. uh, over the vest. Yeah. So, um, you know, that is still something that we still very much see. Yeah. But the vest and, is what they you use know, at home. CPT works well for a multitude of respiratory right. conditions. Mm-hmm. You know, I had the flu one time, and buddy, if I didn't make me one of those little cups, and walk, I was like, <laughs> somebody tap on my back and help me break up this stuff. Yeah. You know, and it's almost like a little massage going it on is. there. Now, yeah. I would imagine if you do that multiple times a day, you're real tired of that. You are. Um, you are. But it it can be incredibly effective yeah. for that. All right, we're going to go quickly and um, talk with Debbie. Good morning, Debbie. Debbie? Yes. Good, good morning. morning. Hello? Yes, ma'am. Go ahead. Hey, um, my sister was born in 1960. Okay. Um, she lived to be about 50 years old. At the time, the year before her death, she was considered to be the oldest living CF patient at the time. Yes, ma'am. I appreciate all the work you guys do. Well, thank, thank you, you so much for and that. And I also want to say to every family and every person with CF, do not give up. Just love. Yes. Learn all you can and do it wisely because... These people are so very precious, and they greatly contribute to our lives. And, you know, I miss my sister very much. Mm. She was my only sibling. But such progress has been made over these 50 years, over 50 years. Absolutely. And just go with it. Just, you know, just... Go with it. Even if it seems disappointing or if it seems hard, go with it because those lives are so precious. Yes, ma'am, they are. And every moment that they have in their lives are so very precious to them as well. 
You are correct. Thank you so much, Debbie. Thank you. And God bless you. you as well. So let's let's talk for a second. You know, we've got just a minute um, or two left. Uh, life expectancy for cystic fibrosis because you mentioned there is no cure for right. CF, and there's lots mm-hmm. of research that's going on uh, mm-hmm. related to that type of stuff. But um, life expectancy has improved. But what's the average life expectancy? Um, so right now they're saying that the median age is around forty, mm-hmm. which, which is, is way better. Yeah, than it and used that's to be. even improved since I, you know, I started in the CF world, which was about four years ago. I want to say when I started and you know CF was new to me um, that it was around thirty, thirty-five, mm-hmm. and so they just recently came out and said that life expectancy has um, gone up, up to 40. Yeah, yeah. 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 So mm-hmm. absolutely uh, 50, as Debbie mentioned, is you know outside of what we consider the average. But of course, average is, is average. That means there are going right. to be people who live longer than that. And then unfortunately, people who do not live as long as mm-hmm. that. But the important thing is with research, we are improving that life expectancy and giving families extra days, months, and years with their loved one. And so, you know, whenever you see ads for supporting CF um, research, mm-hmm. you know, I encourage you to, to support that. It is a, an ever-changing uh, field where we're learning so much about how to better improve not only life expectancy, but quality of life um, for these individuals um, so that they can live the most normal life that they can. Um, there's also... Um, you know, lung transplants uh, now for folks who uh, actually lung and liver transplants mm-hmm. for folks who have cystic fibrosis. Um, we've got about a minute left. Tell me briefly, you know, the take home on, on lung transplants for CF. Um, so real fast, you know, lung transplant, we're, we're looking at that when their pulmonary functions are around 30. Mm-hmm. So normal is anywhere from 100 or, you know, 115 around mm-hmm. that area. And um, we're looking at lung transplants when that, you know, when, when their pulmonary functions around 30. So mm-hmm. when that's their new baseline um you know we're referring out for lung transplant and um several of our patients get them they're very successful and um the good thing um I guess you could say with the lung transplant is that the lungs no longer have the disease. Now, if you are someone that still have, you know, you still have the GI the issues GI, right. if you're not pancreatic sufficient, but, um, you know, they have new lungs and um, it's nothing like hearing from a patient to tell you um, what that first um, breath, breath of fresh right. air with, you know, lungs that don't have CF right. anymore. A full so. breath, you right. know, a full breath. Right. So um, I hope you have learned something today listening to the show. I very much want to thank my guest, Melissa Underwood, for taking time away from CF Clinic because I know it is a busy place over there and giving us lots of good um, information about cystic fibrosis. If you uh, want to know more about CF or more about how you can support Batson or um, UMC and the CF clinics that we have there, you can email me at fit at mpbonline.org and I'll be sure to send you some information with that. And thank you so much for listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. Please listen every weekday at 11 for the full Southern Remedy lineup. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, and you've been listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting.